Chance Ranch 31, I think. <laughs> I want to talk about an idea that might be controversial to people looking to have problems, but it's really not, and I'll show you why. It's the idea of pockets of homogeneity culturally with supported exchange at the edges. First of all, let me start off with an ecological parallel so that you can see the genesis of my thinking on this issue a little bit. So, what is a forest? Is the forest just trees? Nah. Is it just the animals? Nah. Is it just the fungus in the ground? Nah. Although you can make a better case for that than probably anything. Is it just the ground that all these things are living in or on? Nah. Is it the air? Is it the sun? Nah. It's all those things, right? But it's all those specific things. What makes a forest is its constituent parts working in tandem. And a forest exists as a cohesive whole. Right? If it's not got trees, if it's not got certain understory, if it's not got the constituent parts of a forest, it's not a forest, correct? And what about if you take a forest tree and you plant it in the middle of a field? Is that the optimal condition for a forest tree? No, although it can do just fine. And every once in a while you see those outliers and it's actually pretty awesome to see that solitary tree growing out of the crack in the mountain or in the middle of the field. But for the most part, the constituent parts of a forest stay in the forest. Besides something like a deer might live in the forest and then come out into the plains to graze on grass but then return to the forest for safety, right? Okay. Now, if there's a forest and plains adjacent to each other, they're pretty distinct. There's plains, which is the grasses and the herbaceous layer and certain kind of animals that live there and there's the forest same thing but here's the thing the edge where those two ecosystems meet has an abundance of species of fertility of exchange of resources that dwarfs either of the ecosystems alone. In ecology, the action is always at the edges between different systems. This is where the exchange happens. This is where the sharing of resources happen. It's like a, a flea market for nature, you know? Maybe that's not a perfect metaphor, but it kind of gets the point across. It's where things meet from different backgrounds, different regions, different ecological spaces, and they exchange. 
And these edges breathe life into both ecosystems, which adds value, longevity, and stability to the ecosystems. These areas of exchange are critical for the health of the systems. Okay. By the way, if you're interested in learning more about that, I suggest you begin to educate yourself on permaculture. It's just a great way to break into ecology because of the systems-based approach and the principle-based approach. And it will teach you a lot about how just all systems work. It's a really beautiful design language, and I suggest that you take a look. It will benefit you immensely, especially over the long term as the thinking shapes your perspective. But, okay. So now let's take that to the cultural level. I really like drawing parallels with natural systems. Quote-unquote natural systems. Because I find that the efficiency of the natural world has a lot to teach us. So now. If you were to say... pockets of homogeneity in a cultural context, what would that mean? What would the dividing lines be? Ideological? Genealogical? Uh, financial? Lifestyle? Okay, yeah, definitely. All those things. And you see this happening. Especially in areas where there are dense populations. Take New York City, for example. What do you got? Chinatown. You got the area where the Russians hang out. You got the areas where, like Brighton Beach, you know, you got... You got areas where... The hippies hang out. You got areas where the Jamaicans hang out. You know, people tend to congregate to people who are like them. It's easier to feel accepted, to feel understood, to feel comfortable around people who look like you, talk like you, think like you, all those things. And I think we're in a very dangerous place right now in the United States where, on the one hand, This idea of the action at the edges from the ecological systems. There are those out there who think that the entirety of the system should be edge. Which, if you think about it, is an impossibility, right? But beyond that, there are also those who would see no exchange at the edges. Homogenize and wall them off. No white people here. No black people there. No Latinos here. No Democrats there. No Republicans here. See what I mean? And that's suboptimal. 
because like we talked about, the action at the edges helps to maintain the health of the system. Lose the action, lose the health. So, so what am I saying here? <clears throat> what I'm saying here is that there are reasons beyond just tradition or psychology that tribalism exists and is useful, important even, necessary even. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's say that you have a pocket of homogeneity and then an edge and another pocket. What if one of those pockets is not healthy? Because there's supposed to be an exchange of resources. Value for value exchange. That's what healthy systems do. Okay, but what happens if one of those systems is not able to offer value? Or what happens if one of those systems is parasitic? What happens if both of those things are next to each other? See, this is where we begin to see the cultural division, the cultural subjugation that we see sometimes where, let's say there's a large metropolitan area and then there's next to that a high density, low income neighborhood. Well, imagine if you're living in a high-density, low-income neighborhood and you can look up at the skyline and see a couple miles off the evidence of vast wealth beyond your wildest imaginings. Meanwhile, you live in a neighborhood where predators roam, trying to extract wealth from their neighbors, by means of addiction and exploitation of desperation. You have a constant reminder that those around you have less than that dream that's so close, so in such proximity. But the neighborhood is not growing, flourishing. And so you have options of what to do about that, right? You can write off the possibility of ever joining the wealthy elite, right? You can make your peace with staying in the neighborhood and try to do your best there. You can rebel against your environment and the harsh reality is that there are environments around you that are seemingly better off. Maybe this causes you to be violent or to be suicidal or to be criminal, right? These are all, these are all realities. But 
the one thing you won't be doing is operating on the level of sophistication that the large metropolitan area with the vast wealth will be operating on. If they want something from your neighborhood, there are mechanisms of financial dominance that they can employ that will ensure that they get what they want from you below market value. And any of the problems that this causes, they can diffuse through mechanisms like taxes, etc. Right, because where are the politicians come? They coming from the hood or they coming from the high rise? Let's be honest. They're coming from the high high rise, right? Almost all of them. And the few folks that we have elevated to public office from the neighborhood often get co-opted or are products of very specific political movements designed to not necessarily even still serve the wants and needs of the most vulnerable. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is a great example of this. She's a bright girl, comes from a little less well-to-do background than most of our politicians, and has the ability to communicate in a way which would make her a very valuable leader to have for people who come from a situation similar to hers. But because she was the pet project of a group seeking to advance a very specific narrative, and because She's found a team, a little tribe of folks who are operating similarly. Which, by the way, if you know for certain that someone is a product of a project aimed at advancing a very specific narrative, and they're working hand-in-hand constantly with others on an agenda, you might want to consider whether or not the project and its representatives have a wider reach than you had assumed. But okay. But since she is the product and beholden to this very specific push for a very specific narrative, she can no longer be anything but sort of a farcical representation of the place that she came from. But so, okay. Now, Now we get into a little bit of a different emphasis. Because let's say that the two pockets of homogeneity are both healthy. Maybe you have a urban center, right? And then you have a more rural area adjacent. Let's call the urban center the forest because of the height of the you know the there's there's only so much sunlight available and if the high rises are blocking out all the sun and taking up all the land then the understory is going to be what it is it's going to be all high rises and there's not going to be little buildings usually beneath them unless one of them falls and then stuff starts to pop up okay and in the rural area we can call that the the plains area so at the edges of these areas 
right there is exchange and there are four rays into the metropolitan area by the rural folks and there are four rays into the rural area by the metropolitan folks but mainly they stay where they are why well because farmers like to farm because people who grow timber and raise animals and grow crops they're busy they don't have time to be playing around in the city all the time and city folks they got their nine to five uh, they have their little artist centers they have their little craft stuff going on but does a real person want to have access to some of the conveniences of modern life of course they do they want to go get their television they want to have a computer they want to have nice things they want to have you know furniture that they can go to the store and buy they want to have all these things that they can find in the city and find various examples that will suit their tastes and the city would really love to have access to fresh produce to timber to the products of the mines to the products of the gravel pit to all the things that make a rural area valuable the city actually needs to have access to them in order to function healthfully and picture a farmer's market as the area of exchange that goes just a little bit into the rural area and picture like a either a sort of supermarket situation or a Costco situation or like a very eclectic um, shopping area as the exchange in the city, right? So if you go to the farmer's market, you can go get fresh produce, you can go get uh, arts and crafts and, and artisan stuff that's made out in the woods or out in the fields or whatever, and um, you can bring your city wealth and infuse it into the rural areas to add the resources necessary to keep the rural situation healthfully functioning. The forest can bring a lot of potent wealth all at once to fertilize the plains. Okay, and then the plains, or the rural area, they go in and they spend some of the money to enjoy the inventiveness, the creativeness, the products, the uh, broad connection of the, of the city, and it adds value to both because the city continues to be able to support itself in these small little areas where the rural folks are coming in to spend their money, and then the rural folks get to enjoy the efficiencies and conveniences of the modern world, which help them to uh, find the peace and equilibrium necessary to stay in a rural area and be able to continue to be productive and carry on generationally. But it's a delicate dance. And without these edges of exchange, picture uh, like a rural area with a 20-foot tall fence and a guarded gate. And you're not allowed out. And you can farm to your heart's content and you can see the evidence of technology and culture and all these things in the city, but you don't have access to any of them. And the city, they're running out of food. 
They're running out of lumber. They're running out of resources of all kinds. And they can see that there's plenty over in the rural areas and that the rural folks are well-fed and not starving to death. But they can't have access to it. And there's a guarded gate around the metropolitan area. That's not healthy, is it? And if we extrapolate this kind of thinking to different cultural aspects, because within the city, like I said, there's Chinatown, there's, um, you know, Koreatown, there's uh, areas where Germans like to settle and have bratwurst and ale, there's areas where artists like to, okay, what if the artists could never exchange with the financial experts or the, um, you know, academics or the what if the academics just sat around in a circle propping themselves up and thinking about thinking and never actually got any real world experience oh shit <laughs> okay so so this is this is the final point this has been quite a rant and i haven't necessarily done the best job of rambling on but i'm operating on three hours of sleep this whole week so uh please forgive my less than clear thoughts during this rant on occasion but Here's the final point. If you take for a given that pockets of homogeneity are both inevitable and useful, and you take as a given that the edges where the pockets of homogeneity meet and exchange are the most diverse, most robust, most productive areas, then number one, would you want to encourage these pockets and edges? And number two, would you be able to look at a system through a new lens and understand that if there are pockets which have no access to the edge exchange, if there are pockets that are being parasitized or there are pockets that are parasitizing, then would that mean that the health of both the pockets and the systems, the system of systems, the complex system, are diminishing in those situations. And then three, if that's the case, can you look around and see the areas where this is happening? Ah, now that opens up some doors, doesn't it? If we take the pockets and the edges as a system rule, or set of system rules, then where is the leverage point for creating positive change? Where can we increase the efficiency and justice? Is it in the pockets themselves or is it at the edges? Can we facilitate better edges? Can we facilitate better pockets without better edges? And if we don't have pockets, then do we have the magic of the edges at all? I'll leave you with those questions. Chance rants out.